Miss Judy, open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. The writing of the Apostle Paul to the young preacher boy. And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. You got 1 Timothy, and you got 2 Timothy. Verse 1, read down through verse 5, the Lord willing and as God's blessings to the reading of the word of God. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covish, boasters, proud, blasphemers, boasters, proud, blasphemers, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, Thank you for the songs that's been sung today. Thank you for the privilege we have to come to open up the old book one more time and to share the Word of God. We're glad it's true. It's forever settled in heaven. And Father, we're thankful for that. Not one jot and one tittle shall ever pass away. I pray, God, you'll enable us today by grace divine to be able to say what needs to be said in these few moments of time. May I leave unsaid that which does not need to be said. And Father, we'll thank you for it. We love you today. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Maybe see him. Ever since I've been a child, and I've been a child a long time, well, I was a child a long time until I got out of my childhood days. Uh, when I reached 50, I got out of my childhood days, reached into adulthood. But ever since I was a child, I was raised in a preacher's home, and I heard folks, the old-timers, sit around and talk about the, old, the last days. These are the last days. Now, I'm 77 years of age and been preaching now over 50-some years, and I have preached that these are the last days. I'm sure in conversation we can say something like this, the world is in a mess. And now we say that repeatedly in conversations. It don't take much to trigger that thought, the world's in a mess. But I think there's some good news in the midst of all this. Right in the middle of all the trouble that we see, and when you read the entirety of the context, what I read for a while ago, there's 18 things that the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy of that shall happen before Jesus Christ comes back again. He says, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. And they believed, Apostle Paul believed he was in the last days. When you read his writings, you'll find that John believed he was in the last days in his writings. As a matter of fact, when he got through writing the book of Revelation, John on the Isle of Patmos, he said, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready right now for you to come. And he was expecting him to come, looking forward to the future as God's grace would enable him. And I believe all of us need to have some good news in the midst of bad news. I don't like bad news. I don't like to be a bearer of bad news. I don't like to hear bad news, but sometimes bad news is reality. And we live in a terrible, terrible day in these last days of what's happening around the world, what's happening in America, what's happening in our own city, what's happening in our own lives. It is being worse and worse. The Bible says it shall wax worse and worse until the end comes. 
uh, seducers shall increase and blasphemers shall increase and things will intensify. Just keep your eyes upon the eastern sky because the Lord's about to come. What's the good news amidst all the bad news? Well, I got good news for you. Jesus is coming. You say, preacher, I've heard that all of my life. We're closer today than we've ever been before in the history of mankind. And on God's calendar, it could be the midnight hour. We talked about the Saturday evening of time just around the corner. Somewhere, sometime, it's going to come to reality and the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. I like that story about the little boy reading the book and uh, the, the villain and the good guy and the good guy was down and he was getting beaten up by the villain and he was having a rough time in this book. And his mama called him for supper time and said, it's time to eat. And she called him to come and eat. He kept on reading and reading. And she said, I said, come in here right now. It's time to eat. And so he finally folded the book. Just a few minutes later, he come in. And his mother said, what was you doing? He said, I was reading this book. This book, And the good guys were down, mama. And the villain was beating him up and tearing him up. And it was terrible. It was awful. Terrible. Terrible. Well, she said, I'm sorry I interrupted your book. He said, that's all right. I turned over the last page and read, and we win. And that's what it ought to be. We win. And so often we forget that. But Paul is giving a reaction to terrible times in this passage. Tells us how to react. Number two, he tells us to recognize the terrible times we're living in. And then he gives the response we ought to have. So just for introduction today, by way of thought, and something hangs some mental thoughts on the mental pegs of your mind, the bottom line is this. Be very sure that you know these are the last days. The Bible says this know. Several pages Paul says, let not your heart be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. No. You take the word no and take the word K off, that means now. No. This know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. So we're going to have a reaction to terrible times. What's your reaction? Pessimism? Defeat? Discouragement? Down? Out? Are we going to make it through this world? What's the next chapter? On the calendar of God, the coming of the Lord. But here's what the songwriter said. Though the angry surges roll on my tempest-driven snow, so I am peaceful for I know. Wildly though the winds may blow, I've an anchor safe and sure. There's that can never more endure. And it holds. My anchor holds. Blow your wildest then, O gale. O my bark so small and fail. By his grace I shall not fail. For my anchor holds. My anchor holds. I had a Facebook message from my sister in West Virginia, Nancy, not Nancy, that's my wife, uh, Janet. And uh, she's the only sister I have and the meanest sister I have. She's probably tuning in right now, so I'll be sure she gets the message. So she sent me a Facebook messenger, and it was a song by uh, an artist, My Anchor Holds. Underneath the message, she said, we may need this sometime in our life, My Anchor Holds. And I text her back and I said, that's what I'm preaching today, my anchor holds. In the midst of all the terrible news we have, all the adversity and all the trouble and all the trials and all the heartaches and all the depression that comes our way, I'm glad we still have good news. The Lord Jesus is about to come. And I think it needs to be repeated over and over again because in the New Testament, it's repeated over and over again. Sometimes entire books are given to the second coming of Christ. Verses here and there and around everywhere, all the way through the book of Revelation, it talks about the coming of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I say, submit to you, God cannot lie. He said it was going to happen. It's going to happen. So the bottom line is this. To be sure, very sure, your anchor holds. 
your anchor holds. And that anchor is our hope, Hebrews chapter 6. Be very sure your anchor holds. God is enabled to help us in the midst of the greatest crisis of our life. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen it like this before in my lifetime. At 77 years of age, and many of you may be older or younger than I am, it is terrible, 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 terrible the way the world is going. And these 18 things are going to be intensifying before the rapture of the church. Now, I know there's other things that's got to happen before the Lord comes back in his revelation to come back to earth. But nothing could hinder the rapture of the church right now. It could happen in the moment. It could happen before we get through this service. It could happen before we go to bed tonight, before the sun sets or rises tomorrow. The Lord Jesus Christ could come from glory. Hallelujah for the hope we have in Christ Jesus. So things around us will get bad. The Bible says so. Let's know this. Don't be caught unaware. As a matter of fact, it's terrible. The word perilous is used several times. It's dangerous. It's terrible. It's, it's a society growing more secular. It's turning away from God. The statistics are alarming of the folks have turned away from Christianity in America. In the founding days of our fathers back in the 1700s, over 70 to 80 percent of folks believed in God and trusted God and went to church regularly. That's a pretty good statistic. Today is 30 percent. Something's wrong in America. Some countries are growing numerically and spiritually, while America seems to be going more secular away from God. But the whole world is on a secular move toward one world church, one world government, one world system, and the, the one new world order, it's often called, and trying to bring despair to us, realizing they may not realize it, but they're bringing defeat and closer and closer the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rising hostility. I was reading in Daniel chapter 12 where it says, the wicked do wickedly, more wickedly. The wicked do more wickedly. I mean, there's always been wicked people all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But the wicked are doing more wickedly than ever before. And it's not behind closed counters. It's in your face. And you could be walking down the road and somebody bring a billy club, just beat you over the head because they don't like your looks or don't like the way you smiled at them or frowned at them and just beat you to death with no, run, no reason at all. I mean, we see that everywhere in the cities where it seems like no matter where you go, violence is on the agenda. One of the number one reasons folks are voting the way they're going to vote this year, they said, is because of crime. How many of you remember the days when you didn't have to lock your doors? Wow. How many of you locked your door today? What's the matter with you? Don't you have no trust? What's happened to us? We not only lock our doors, we got dead boats. My wife used to say before she went to bed, said, be sure to check the door. Honey, I'm, I'll check the door. I'll be sure it's locked. Be sure to check the dead boat. She forgets what she's got right there protecting her. She thinks a dead boat's the most sufficient, but we got our dead boats, and at church we got a security system. At houses we usually have a security system. If you don't have a security system, you've got a mad dog outside ready to pounce on somebody if they come by. How many got a dog that's a killer dog? Three of you got poodles, I'm sure you have. <laughs> but the fact is, we're afraid we won't let our kids go off very far by themselves. When we were kids, we played in the woods for hours, sometimes rode our bicycles into town. Just took all day long. We, 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 went, we, went, we went somewhere <laughs> on those bicycles and went and had a good time. Mom would always say, be home in time to eat. And sometimes uh, we know it's getting close to eating time. When you get hungry, it's time to go eat. And then it's uh, Mama's call from the back porch, uh, time to eat. And we went home to eat. She never seemed to worry about us, never fretted too much about it. Sure, there was some danger. Sure, there was some animosity. Sure, there was some criminals around. But nothing like today. It is advancing at tremendous rates. 
And so what's my reaction to this in these stressful times? What's your reaction in these stressful times? Paul says this, no. Also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Then he gives those 18 things that's going to happen, that's going to intensify before the rapture of the church. And so he talks about the reaction of terrible times. Somebody said stress spelt backwards is dessert. You ever check that out? How many, how many of us have gone through stress, physically, mentally, emotionally? I believe the last couple of years of my own life has been the toughest I've lived in my lifetime, and the Lord's allowed to come. And the Lord's allowed us to come to our path. But at the same time, we've got to be able to handle the things that come our way, get a grip on the Word of God, and let the Word of God get a grip on us to help us in stressful times because they're going to increase. They're going to get worse and worse. Depression is at all high mark. Suicide has reached an epidemic proportion around the world. It used to be sometimes there were older people that committed suicide because they were just tired of living and they just wanted to go on out of this world. It's decreased now down to 10, 11, 12-year-olds who commit suicide. How sad that is that little children don't have any purpose for living. Isn't that sad? When we used to think little children just having a good time in life and sort of, you know, playing and going to school and enjoying life, and now they're sitting around depressed because of reasons that have come to their own life as little children. God forbid that we would be guilty of not trusting God during these days. And the only answer is our hope in God. I was jotting down some words this morning. Without God, I have no hope. Let's close the book. Let's close the Bible. Let's close the door. If we have not God, we have no hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. On the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, the songwriter said. And may that be an echo of our soul. My hope is in God. My hope is in God. And hope is not wishful thinking. It is a solid hope. It is a solid faith in the great God of heaven, the Word of God that He's given us to have. And I'm grateful for that. I jotted down the word help. Without God, I have no help. I could not get up this morning without God's help. I could not put on my shoes without God's help. I'll not be able to function at all without God's help. I cannot go, I cannot be, I cannot have my very being without the help of Almighty God. My help cometh from God above and looking on the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Over and over and over again in the book of Psalms, you find the word help. You find the word hope. You find the word hold, that he'll hold us and help us. God's not going to forsake us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How many times do you find the word hear? Hear what I'm going to say to you. Listen up. You have the ears to hear, hear what I got to say. God is not going to forsake us in the last days, but the last days are going to be terrible. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come, Lord Jesus. What we may not fear for ourselves, we feel for our kids and our grandkids. Boy, how many times in praying, Lord, I know we've had some difficult days, but the worst is yet to come. And many folks have no clue what we're facing. They're all wrapped up in the world, all wrapped up in life, all wrapped up in the things that they think really count. And they're leaving out the most important thing in the world, and that's the relationship with God. So number one, the reaction in terrible times. Just know. And I mean by that this. The early day Christians were blamed for a lot of things. As a matter of fact, the Roman Empire blamed the early Christians for the turmoil and the problems they were having. That's just why they would put to death many Christians. They would go into town in Rome. They would wrap them in tar, set them on fire, and use them for a lamppost. That was the Christian destination, if you want to be careful, or to feed them to the lions. I've got a video in my office. I've not showed it publicly. I may not show it publicly. But it shows a reenactment of people being eat, eaten by the lions in the, in the early days of the, 
trying to destroy the very voice of God, the very voice of Christianity, and to feed them to the lions or the wild animals. Sometimes they would take four ropes. They would tie one to a horse over here, a stallion, a horse over here, another horse over here, four horses, four different ropes going different directions. And when the, when the seizure would raise his hand and come down, they would literally hit those horses and they would rip the people's bodies apart. Who was being ripped apart? The Christians. Why? Because they was causing all the problem. The problem in America is Christianity. If you don't believe that, you not listen to the news. And they also believe that because of our conservative views that we're terrorists or something out here in the left field. Got to get rid of these terrorists who are causing all the problems. We're not causing all the problems. The devil, the demons of hell, and all the cohorts of hell, and all those wicked folks that are out there doing what they're doing, it's not the Christian. Christians believe in righteousness and holiness and decency and integrity and purity, and we want to do what's right. I believe we ought to want to do right as a Christian. If you don't want to do right, something's wrong in our life. We ought to want to do right all the time. But they say we're the problem, and the sooner we can rid America of Christianity and get rid of these so-called fundamentalists, these conservative folks, the sooner we can get rid of them, the better off we are. Well, they can say that all day long. One day they're going to see the end of the picture when all these Christian people who are the salt of the earth are going to depart out of this world and the rapture comes. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul said this, no, in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he lists those things. But don't, don't worry, don't fear, don't have the spirit of fear, have the spirit of faith to know that God is on the throne and God never makes a mistake and God will never allow anything to come to your path that is not by his divine permission. I don't know what that means altogether. I may have to suffer terribly before I die, before I leave this world from even persecution. You may. If not us, our children will probably go through the fires of persecution happening all around the world. I was sharing the other day, I was watching a documentary on Iran. (coughs) Iran has millions of people are Muslim faith. But they have a preacher there. He's called the Billy Graham of, the, of Iran, if you've seen the documentary. He was a terrorist himself. He was wicked. He got right with God, got saved. Now he's sharing the gospel with the, those of Iran. It's coming from one of their own. It's not coming from an outside American preacher going in trying to evangelize the Iranians, even though that's great. It's one of their own men. And they interviewed him, and they talked about the greatest move of God is happening in Iran thousands and thousands are turning to Christ. And they said this, not only do we know they're turning to Christ, they said, if we die, we die. If we have to be martyred, we be martyred. We have no hope with Iranian government, with the Muslim religion. There's no hope there. The only hope we find is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's amazing in a country that big and that large and that multiplication multiplication of people, how the gospel is penetrating. Somebody's been there for years sowing seed, sowing seed, sowing seed. And the other preachers are becoming bolder, more bolder, and more braver to go out in the public arena and to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And remember, all the way through the book of Acts, the more you killed Christians, the bigger the church got. Martyrs were the blood, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. And the more they died, the more the church grew. Read the book of Acts. And because of that, thousands have been won to Christ. But usually, sometimes it comes because people have no hope, but they find Christian people have hope. And Christian people have a, something that the world didn't give them and the world can't take it away. The reaction to terrible times, this no, it is a command for us to get a handle on the facts of life. 
and the early Christians were blamed for the economic and the social problems of the Roman society. Hate was a command against Christians. It simply hated Christian people. Now, I'm not a Catholic, but I know the Catholics represent to the largest folks degree Christianity, even though they're not what we would recommend because of their false doctrine. But because of their believing in Jesus Christ, the virgin birth and sinless life and so forth, they sort of tie us all into one big, uh, one big, they tie us together. And we, we are on the same page they are, they're on the same page we are, people say. But the Roman Catholics are being attacked in America in rapid proportions. They're going after their buildings, going after their priests. And I'm not saying that's good at all because they need to be saved, be right with God. They see them die and go to hell. But they use Catholic religion as a Christian religion. The Christian religion, however, is those who believe in the gospel that there's no way to be saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, to his grace, he saved us. But he's still there after us because they want to do what they want to do, and you'll find it in the context of 2 Timothy chapter 3. They want to live for themselves, and this is hindering their lifestyle. It's hindering how it's causing problem, causing guilt trouble, causing all kind of animosity toward people who want to live in sin, and sins become more blatant and more, more prevalent and on the doorpost, doorsteps of our lives to where everywhere we go we find folks that are doing things that are evil and dirty and filthy and abominable. Perilous times, hard times, difficult times, even stressful times. So what we should, should, should be, first of all, we should not be surprised. We should not be caught off guard. This no, this no. Don't get caught off guard. Preacher, where's it going to end at? Jesus is coming. Amen. Well, preacher, how long will it be? I don't know, but he's coming. You say, could it be today? Could be right this very second. Amen. Can you imagine if the rapture occurred right now? I mean, we're sitting here and you're, I'm standing here. And uh, if the rapture occurs, you see these glasses? They're going to fall. You see these two hearing aids? I'm not going to take them out because I couldn't hear these two hearing aids will be left behind. You see my false teeth? They'll be left behind. All the knee parts and my hip parts and my bionic men parts of my body will be left behind. My body will just be clay, be nothing. The clothes will be some place for the rag man to gather up all my clothes. For instantaneously, I'll be translated out of this world, leaving behind everything that's worthly, going to be with God who's spiritual and we're spiritual minded people because of God living in our life and we go to be with him forever. So I don't need to be surprised. We expect peace to be the norm. We believe that some way if we can get the right politician elected to government, we'll have peace. The Bible says there'll be no peace, saith the Lord. They'll cry peace, peace, peace. That's what they'll cry. And I'm all for that and I'm for every negotiation. I want peace and I want us to have it as long as possible. And if they can get some type of peace worked out, great. But the Bible says, peace, peace. They'll be crying. There's peace. There no, is no peace. When you've got the Antichrist coming, you've got wickedness abounding, you've got the demons of hell turned loose on this world, you've got everything going against us, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. We expect peace to be normal. And when we get to heaven, we will have it. What we want right now is Revelation 21.4. Turn there with the religious. Revelation 21.4. What we want right now is Revelation 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's what I want. 
no more tears, no more heartaches. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. That's what I want. I like to have it now. But we don't have that except the promise of God that's going to come and one day face to empty into reality and we shall know him and we shall see him and everything will be right and all tears will be wiped away. No more pain, no more heartaches, no more suffering, no more crying, no more separation. All that's past. That's what we want to be. That's, that's our life. We want to live. But right now, he said this, no. Don't ever get away from the fact that we're supposed to know his command. In the last days, the last days have been going on since the days of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. And the Bible tells us over in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, I think it is, where it talks about they should enter into tribulation because of the fact they preached the gospel. It says the early disciples entered into tribulation. He said, in this world you'll have tribulation, you have trials, you have heartache. And you say, preacher, we all know that. Well, this no. If we're going to have trials and heartaches and difficulty, we're not caught off guard. So how bad will it get? I don't know how bad it will get before we leave this world, but it's going to get worse and worse. And the Bible says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covish, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Stop right there. You come back to realize that we recognize some things that sometimes don't, they don't surprise us. We see some of that, but it's intensifying terribly. I'll come back to it later, if the Lord willing. We expect everything to be all right, but we sometimes feel like we're surprised that the world's in a mess. The world's in a mess because God said it's going to be in a mess. He gave the prophecy to others and from Paul to Timothy and Timothy to us. It's going to wax worse and worse. These perilous, dangerous, terrible days. He says, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. We mustn't be surprised. We must know the times. So knowing the times, you start looking at it. You begin to evaluate it. Let me read a few passages of Scripture to set the basis for what I want to say, if not today, later. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 12. The last day since the church began, I said in Acts 14, 22. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, I believe that's the saints that's going on to heaven looking down on us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, what should we do? Realize the rapture is pending. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Maybe the Lord is saying to Gabriel, Gabriel, get your trumpet ready. Moisten your lips. I want you to stand out on the precipice of eternity. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to bring the trumpet to your mouth. And I want you to blow. And Gabriel says, how loud do you want me to blow? He said, I want you to blow so loud it'll wake the graves. It'll wake the dead. I want you to blow so loud that every saint of God in the world will hear the blowing of the trumpet. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. It could be before this day is over, the trump of God sounds. Jesus is on the right hand of the throne. 
He's waiting to come back to get his bride. The father says, it's time. Jesus says, I'm ready. Jesus begins to make that descent from glory down. He went up, ascended up to get us to, to go to heaven, to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God, to ever intercede for us. He's going to descend for us to say, come up hither and be with us and be with us for eternity. And we arise in the air. What a glorious day that'll be. All the saints just going up in the air. All the saints just going up in the air. All the saints of all the world. There they go. There they go. There they go. This is the hope. Preacher, it's a bad day. It's a terrible day. But Jesus is coming. The glorious hope and the glorious appearing of the great God our Savior. It's, not, it's beyond our comprehension sometimes. But we doubt it. We sometimes think it's never going to happen. It's going to happen. And this may be the generation that it happens in before any of us die, before the day comes, the sunshine comes up in the morning. We all may be in glory. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. We sometimes as you get older, the alternative of life is death, and then a Christian never dies. We talk about getting old, got to die. Christians never die. They cannot die. The eternal life of God is on the inside. The flesh may cease to be, and it may drop this robe of flesh, but I'll rise to cease the everlasting prize because I'm going to be with my blessed Lord forever and ever. And thank God I'll never die to the land where we never die, where there's no tears, no heartaches, no pain, no suffering. There is a place called beautiful land. There is a place called heaven that all of us are bound for by the grace of God. I just need to be reminded it's not my home. I've got to be reminded I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Because the world is living for this world and they're trying to get everything they can and catch everything they can get. They're trying to do everything they can enjoy in life, have all the fun and parties they want to have and enjoy life. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we'll die. That's not the Christian's philosophy. Serve God and enjoy life. I'm not talking about being a party pooper, but I'm telling you that you can enjoy a Christian life. You don't have to be a frowning sourpuss all the time about how bad it was. Oh, the world's terrible. Things are bad and I'm bad. My health's bad. I'm going to... I'm just wearing out and so forth. But terrible, terrible. You say the alternative to that is death. I just say the alternative, you better be just rapture. I'd rather have the upkeeper than the undertaker. It'd be far better to go up than to go to a grave plot, put my body somewhere. Just let me go right now with the rapture and go up to be with the Lord forever and ever and one day come back with him to rule and reign on this earth. But the fact is, the reality is Jesus is on the white on the throne of God waiting and one day he's going to come again. Let me read a passage out of 2 Peter right quickly. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3. For this they willingly are ignorant. He told us this no. This no, the last days. But he says, for this they are willingly ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. In Noah's day they were ignorant. They just didn't know. They didn't believe. They were voluntarily ignorant. He says, this know in the last days, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and unperdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant, twice he says it, of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack, Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long suffering to usward, not when the any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and that which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things, 
Know this, the last days, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking forward and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Turn to First Peter chapter 4, just back a few chapters. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Behold, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't be surprised. What's your reaction? Know the facts. Don't be surprised. I should not be surprised. He says, as, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. For if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on the part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he shall be glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him now be ashamed, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For this time has come, for the time has come, that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin thus, what shall the end be of them that obey not? The gospel of God. We need the spirit of the men of Issachar. They had discernment of the time. This no, this no. We must react with some discernment. We must react with not being surprised. And I'm sort of getting tired of saying, I've said it so many times, the world's in a mess. The world's in a mess. Well, it is. Let's just say the word is true. God never faileth. God's given the answer. We have hope. We have help. We have him holding to us. Hold to God's unchanging hand. I'm glad our anchor can hold. Thank God for a wonderful anchor. Pick up any newspaper. Pick up any one of them. Pick up a TV remote. Civilizations are facing moral and spiritual and social and political, national, and international darkness. It's a mess. It is a mess. Society is coming apart at the seams. The gospel is not to save civilization, but to save men and women. God's just trying to get a load up to go when this old world's going to burn with fire, when the world's going to be destroyed, and every individual and everything on the earth will be burned by God's divine judgment. The gospel is not to save a civilization, but to save men and women, boys and girls, from the wreckage of civilization. The new world order is being intact on the way globalism, the coming of the kingdom of Antichrist. The more you hear words like that, globalism, new world order, it's been around for several years now. It intensifies. They meet at NATO. They sit down and discuss what they ought to do as world leaders. What we need is one world system. We need one world government. The Antichrist will head that up one day. What we need is one world money. Well, let's do it with money. I watched a little documentary on, on the chip the other day as they were showing the company in Minnesota where all the employees were taking a chip in their hand, the size, the size of rice, grain of rice, and they would stick it in there, and then they would go over to the candy machine, and they'd put their hand on the candy machine, and the candy machine would light up, and the candy bar would fall out, and it'd be charged to your account. They had everything they needed in your little piece of rice. Well, I don't know whether that's going to be the mark of the beast or not. I don't think so. But it's all leading up to it. All the scanning and all the computerized things we have is leading up to the Antichrist destroying the world. I personally believe he's, these AI guys coming out, 
they're the enforcers for the Antichrist. That's right. They're going to go around and make everybody take the mark of the beast, or at least they're going to tell them, if you don't take it, you're going to die. You can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. And I know that's going to be during the tribulation period. I'm glad the rapture's coming. Amen. I'm glad we have a hope the world didn't give us. I'm glad we're settled in Christ Jesus. This makes a difference when you this know. Now, I, I get a little apprehensive about Everybody does about things, where they're going, what's going to happen to our society and to our economy and to the government and the corruptions everywhere. And I said it's a mess. But I'm glad for the hope we have as Christians. I'm just saying, in the midst of a terrible dilemma of 18 things he mentions here in Timothy that's going to happen, intensify before the rapture of the church and really intensify after the rapture of the church, there's going to be a lot of people going to miss heaven completely because they got their mind on this world. This world's not my home, just a passing through. My cares are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm glad I'm a pilgrim and not a dweller and I don't have to stay here forever. So the reaction to terrible times, we mustn't be surprised and we must know the times. We must know the times and be taught the times because every individual knows what to expect when the end of time comes and we're closer than we've ever been before. I don't know about you, but I sometimes get my head swimming as I watch certain things happen. And then I look at certain things and I say, my soul, I don't want that to happen to my family. What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to your family? Be ready. Don't be ignorant. Be saved. Trust Christ as Savior. Tell your family about the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell them about the rapture. Tell them about the hope we have. You say they don't want to listen. Well, at least you can tell them. You can't make them, but you can tell them. And if they are got any kind of common sense, they can look around and think things are getting worse and worse in America. I mean, whether it be from the economy, whether it be from the iniquity that's abounding in the love of many's waxing coal, and how true that is. I mean, people love and pleasure more than they love God, loving themselves more than they love God. And that whole tendency is intensifying. Just God, is, man's become his own God. And to satisfy the lust and desires of a person's life is more important than fearing God. And the Bible says there is no fear of God before their eyes. May God help us today. May God help us. We need to realize these are great days to be alive. And I close with this. I think it's the greatest days in the world, the hour we live in now. Why? Because we have more opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ than ever before. <coughs> you say they won't listen. Oh, you don't know about that. People are hungry. People are hurting. They're looking for answers like the Iranians I mentioned. All over the world, folks are looking for answers. And many of them wonder where it's going to come from. They have no hope. But we have the answer. So it ought to be an exciting time. When times of stress and times of heartache and times of pain, we turn to God and say, Lord, give me more strength. May your help be sufficient for me. May I not doubt you. Lord, when I find myself getting down and discouraged, help me to encourage myself in the Lord as well as others who encourage you along the way. Aren't you glad for somebody who says, I'm praying for you? Don't that mean something? Aren't you glad we're in this thing together? It'd be awful if I'm just out here as a lone ranger. You're the lone ranger or you're just in this boat by yourself. But this is a fellowship boat. It's a ship. And we're fellows together, women and men together, serving the Lord together, waiting for the anticipation, living our lives the best we know how and doing what we're supposed to do as husbands and wives and dads and moms and children, but at the same time realizing our eyes are set on the eastern sky and one day these heavens will split and the Lord Jesus will come in glory and power. And I'm grateful for that. We shall be called up to meet Him in the air 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I simply leave today. It's a mess, but it's good news. Jesus Christ is coming. Would you, would you say it in your heart today? Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming again. Maranatha. He's coming again. Father, take the brokenness and the frailty of human words today. Anoint them afresh to every heart. Save the soul that would be saved. Bring that to the backslider that would turn to you. Pray for every Christian to be encouraged. Many Christians are discouraged in life. We've never faced some things we've been facing in recent days. Some of us realize the frailty of flesh. Realize, Lord, that only you can satisfy. We're glad for medicine. We're glad for doctors. We're glad for the help we can get physically. But Lord, the spiritual truths are so valuable in our life. Help us to apply all the wisdom we can to living. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our life and make a difference in our life. May you teach us today what we need to know. Maybe somebody here today you need to be saved. Lord, need to trust Christ to say, may be here today, they're out of fellowship with you. May this be the hour they'll come. Lord, there may be some today here are just discouraged. The battle is overwhelming. None of us are immune to that. Some people think they're invincible. The devil is a master at the weapon of discouragement and depression. He works overtime on people's minds and their hearts. Lord, help folks if they need to come for reinforcement today. Just come and pray around the altar and spend some time fellowshipping with the Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, as we stand together, as we sing our song of invitation, you come if God